Yeah, I'm fearless. Fearless. From the black good today. <laughs> so, welcome everybody once again to a Safe Place podcast. I'm John Boyle, the love coach over there, Mr. Craig Powell. Thank you. How you been, Mucker? Not too bad. Thank you very much, Craig. And uh, funny enough, the name of that song, I believe, is called Fearless. And we're going to try and talk you through a step-by-step process today on how to be fearless in the face of extreme mental health anxieties that come up. Tough one. It is a tough one, Does isn't it? Does anybody know how to do that? Has anybody ever written a book that tells you how to do it? I don't think they, I've read a lot of them and I don't think they help at all. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny? They they seem to help when you're reading them. You're like, oh yeah, that that's what I've not been seeing. Yes, that's what I need to do. That's how I need to be. And then when it comes up, all that shit that you've read doesn't mean jack shit, does it? Yeah. Do you know what I find about self-help books? They give you loads more to worry about. It doesn't make any sense. It's like 12 rules of life. Jordan Peterson, I do like Peterson. You want me to add 12 rules whilst I'm suffering with mental health? Yeah. That's difficult. It is difficult. And uh, the the thing that's really difficult is we try and use the intellect to manage our feelings. And even though we can do with basic levels of mental health, where we can think of certain thoughts that make us feel a little bit more comfortable, when it gets to a point where there's no thoughts that make anything feel better, uh, that's where you need something that you need one rule. It needs to be one rule, not 12 How can you get through this difficulty, whether it's suicidal thoughts, extreme panic attacks, the deepest, darkest of depression? Okay, so we're talking about you're sailing towards Niagara Falls. You're about to drop. You've done it many times before. You survive, but it's a week of hell. It's a week of you're not going to work. It's a week of arguing. Are we talking to a, a, a captain here? You are the captain, remember? Oh, it's a metaphor. I thought you were speaking to someone that sails towards Niagara Falls. <laughs> but you drop the anchor this time. You want one singular anchor to drop and keep you safe. I'm going to ask you, what what is yours? Now, they probably would have changed. You would have done certain things to start with. What if, what is when it, when you feel the pain and you know you're going to a bad place where you're just going to feel uncomfortable? What's the anchor that you drop? The only anchor I can think of is is that I realise and identify with that part of me that wanted the world or a certain experience to be a certain way. Oh yeah, if I'm really having an anxiety attack now, I want to not have the anxiety attack, which already creates the anxiety attack. So I've got to let go of these parts of my mind that doesn't want an experience to be and accept that, I need to surrender fully to that experience outside of intellect. It's no more time for thoughts. Paradoxically and ironically, there is only one single thought that you can hold on to, which is I need to just let go. And letting go for me is be willing to die. I mean, ultimately, I think that's what mental health is wrapped up around some sort of innate fear of your demise, whether it's going insane losing control in a public place, your family judging you or looking at you funny because you say you suffer with a certain problem, which all means some sort of death. 
what death would feel like in our imagination scenarios that built up in our head reflect ultimately that part of ourselves that we don't want to lose, which is our normal, healthy functioning us. Yeah, and the strange thing is that you mentioned that no one has ever died through the thoughts and the feelings. What What's actually killed people with mental health is they've took their own life because they don't want to suffer. They don't want to feel uncomfortable. So if you can go into that death feeling that comes on and, and be aware that you don't actually technically die from that, you die from all of the pain that that brings over an amount of time with bad habits, with drinking, with doing the wrong things, with suffering. That's what kills you, the suffering. If you can get past the first bit and think, right, this actual feeling isn't going to kill me. It, yes, and even though it feels like it is, yeah, and it feels that much like it is, that old thought that it isn't going to kill you probably gets overridden with the ornate emotional knee-jerk, impulsive, fearful reaction, which is to get away from the feeling, isn't it? So you've got to accept that at the minute, this feeling governs your life. It's absolutely governing your life. You may not be conscious of it, but you'll be doing everything on a day-to-day basis, not to confront, face or feel this feeling. And you've got to accept that this feeling at this moment in time is more powerful than you are. It's orchestrating the whole symphony of how you behave. So you've got to go, okay, you're more powerful than me. I'm powerless to you. Kill me. Let me see what happens. And I know that's frightening because people have all these attachments to themselves. And I promise you, if you can fully let go and ask that feeling of death to overwhelm you, when you really fully let go, on the other side of it is pure comfort and peace. Your mind, this crazy over-analytical machine that's designed to try and lead you to safety by painting scary pictures inside your mind to keep you away from the thing that you're afraid of, can't ever do you any good. And you've got to abolish this tool that you've called your intellect. Yeah, and you're going against everything that you know and you've learnt. You're... Your reactions are actually doing something which is the same sort of thing. It's You're going to go into an ego defense of your mental health. You're going to get even some of the darkest mental health types like uh, paranoia. Paranoia creates an illusionary world for you to live in to survive what's going on. So you're going to do this now by letting go of the control of that, letting it overwhelm you, going into it. And then what we're saying is there's a there's almost a nirvana in that, that you've learned a discipline that brings you back to the control by letting go of it. It brings you back into the right then I, I've I've figured it I've figured this out. I've worked out. I've got this feeling. It's not gonna kill me. Uh, the one thing that I do, I've noticed is Instantly, when I start to feel uncomfortable, I look at what I'm, what, what sort of illusions I've created in my head, and like you say, they're completely false. You've put yourself uh, in a place where you should achieve something, or you've been wronged, or you've got this identity that's uh, basically not living out these illusions that you think are, are true. And to be honest, they're not true. They're all completely made up by you. So I know somebody who had a panic attack when she said that she found out 
her boyfriend was texting uh, another girl, had a full-blown panic attack because of this. Now, if you think about it, no actions from anybody else can ever alter your state. The state is altered by you connecting to those events. And I don't think people realise that. So that's a good place to start, isn't it? And it, sound, and it sounds quite offensive, doesn't it? Uh, if to somebody that uh, doesn't feel that that's their experience, but ultimately it's not offensive. What you're trying to do is help people become aware that they've got more power or control within themselves than they're even aware of. So let me try and explain that if it happened to me, knowing this consciousness, and it's difficult to understand how you're going to react and you are obviously going to have a reaction to something like that happening. But what what I'm trying to say is, I find out this happens now. The other person has done something wrong, not me. So why should I have the anxiety and the panic attack? Yeah. You're you're almost enslaved to other people owning your spirit. Yeah, and uh, and ultimately that's the most normal thing about humanity. If, if we go back to the basics of what we know, which is the child that's dependent upon the mum for its survival, the child then becomes dependent upon the, both the parents for the survival. The child absolutely needs a strong, healthy-minded mother and father or a, a family around it that makes that child feel safe so it's a survival mechanism to hand over your power to people around you because they're the ones with the power to keep you alive so it's a normal human thing but then we've got to reach a point or a psychological level of maturity where then that is all handed back that through the process of the people around you they then hand you your power back that's it. And so, go that, that's a good example to use because I think at the moment what you'll be doing when you have these feelings of mental health is you'll be talking to yourself that cements the badness. It cements the feeling. It's uh, I'm going to have a panic attack now because I don't know how to handle it. I, I have failed. I haven't got that promotion. I'm not earning enough money. And what is that fucking voice? I mean, this is what shocks me is that most of my life, I've had a voice inside of my head that I've identified to be me and I've been its prisoner. And it's like whatever mental health you're going through now with these thoughts that tell you certain things that make you feel even more powerless, that isn't you. Those thoughts were developed by a psyche that was trying to survive and grew up with pain and suffering in the world and had to develop a keen, sharp intellect to navigate thoughts to help you avoid going through the same suffering again. The problem is, is because you've been trapped in that suffering for so long, you're stuck in the thoughts, you're stuck in the thinking intellectual process, which you now deem to be you without even realising it. If I say that to people now, they'll be like, what do you mean? My thoughts aren't me. They really are not you. They're a survival mechanism, but going deeper than that, underneath the thoughts, when you wake up in the morning, in that moment before you start thinking, you're in a state of comfort. What takes you out of that comfort? I guarantee you it's nothing other than a thought. Yeah. I I think that at the moment, how most people are living their life is based on fear. They're doing certain things based on one fear being worse than another fear. And that's how you get through life. All, if you think about everything you've done, 
Why did you really go for that job? Why did you stay with that partner? Why did you leave that partner? And all of your emotions at the time, completely unconscious. And, and by unconscious, it's like unconscious is for me, and it sounds offensive again, but you're quite stupid, you're quite naive, you're quite young-minded. You're just learning all about life in these moments. So it's it's not your technically you know, your fault that you made the wrong decisions, but you've, you've not got like a wise old head inside you saying, guess what? You don't have to have a panic attack if somebody else has done something because you're perfect. You don't need to have low self-esteem because somebody else has decided to be a bad person. You can have high, even higher esteem. Yes, which is good again. And again, it's these thoughts to try and comfort that stone of fear that sits deep within your stomach again the process that worked for me which is the most difficult one i think for the ego which is a survival based set of programs and thoughts and impulses that are going on in your body and mind to say to this difficulty this panic attack this anxiety this depression okay this feeling of depression this feeling of fear in my anxiety kill me I am done fighting you. Now, that doesn't mean killing yourself. It means fully absorbing yourself in that feeling that you don't want to feel yeah. and saying, okay, amplify yourself, really turn on the works because I give up myself to you. I fully surrender what this, pro- and I guarantee you, and if you really can surrender in that moment when you fully let go of that last thread of anything to survive, In that moment, this isn't it'll work in 10 minutes, it'll work in half an hour. When you fully let go of that tiny thread that was holding some sort of you that didn't want to feel that feeling and sever that tie, instantly you will be dropped into pure, peaceful bliss. And that mind that's caused you so much misery, just get this into your heads a minute. You wake up in the morning and you feel okay. Until a thought takes place, which means it's the thinking part of you that needs recalibrating. So going back to fully surrendering, you need to realize that, that intellectual part of you that's thought of thoughts that have generated feelings that creates anxiety, panic or depression inside of you needs to go. So take whatever it is that is that from me now and leave me dead if you have to. And in that moment, it's all gone. Now, if you look around the country in all of the mental hospitals, I guarantee you most of the mental health that's going on in there is somewhere in their life they've gone through trauma. A part of their ego kicked in hugely to defend them from that pain, which would have felt like a death, traumatic event. The ego's kicked in to create all of these behaviours and these neuroses to try and never let you go back to that pain. And people are being drawn back to that feeling because the ego can't really keep a lid on it. It's coming up. And what we see is people in mental hospitals that look crazy, but they're actually holding on to an ego. An ego's the dominant control factor that's getting them to avoid the pain and trauma once again. So they're all acting irrationally, but it's pure fear. Fear of letting go. Yeah, that's a good point. And let me just uh, expand on that now, what I see. Me and Andrew set up a safe place podcast to help people suffer. And if you break that down, what we're saying is we know what it's like 
to feel uncomfortable. We've been to our darkest moments that we hope there could be even worse uh, places Must to go come, to, yeah. but we believe that we have and we've come out of it um, with the scars and the bruises and we don't want other people to feel this feeling and we want to try and give you the tips to get out of it. Now we do this as a sort of healing process that continues us running from pain. Everybody that you know, at the moment, you'll see somebody who drinks every night or takes heroin all the time or does something really bad as, oh, they're escaping pain. But if you think about it, even somebody who is doing breathing techniques, who goes to the gym an hour in the morning, an hour in the evening, they've, they've just set up these habits that stop them from going to a peaceful place in their mind that they probably can't handle. They don't know how to handle it. They don't know how to go there. They, they might even have built up that much of an ego. They don't know their trauma and their fears even exist. No. This is what we're talking about. This is like a, a really big head fuck to get your head around. Yes. That you you don't know really why you do what you do until you're doing it and even then you don't even know why you've started no. to do it. And and the medicine to that ultimately has to be consciousness. It's expanding your awareness, isn't it? It's getting a different perspective. Now, instantly, anything that me and Craig say, your ego will kick in and say, no, it's not that, it's not this, it's not that. Which means that because of your perspective and belief system is orchestrated exactly the way you're thinking now, it means that you can never break free from the ailment that you're suffering with. That actually you need to investigate, try and learn and understand, even if you feel you don't believe it, because any change of perception from what you're going through or a change in consciousness is a doorway that opens up for you to leave that room of pain that you're stuck in. At the minute, the only thing that's creating that pain is you. You'll blame it on your past. You'll blame it on trauma. And it's actually, that's not the problem now. The problem is you haven't got the conscious awareness to understand exactly what is going on. That's it. And you'll actually feel quite comfortable. You won't do stuff that you deep down really want to do because you've you've adapted these traits that are comfort blankets to you now. So you don't want to go anywhere near the pain and you believe that you and your mind does do this to you. I know that through this process, probably lasting over the last five years, there's so many times where I feel like I've made it and I've been out of pain for a while now. And then all of a sudden something will come come up and you realize all you did was suppress that pain. Yeah. You just uh basically said, I'm not going anywhere near that because it reminds me of something. And this is what it's doing. It's reminding your physical body of an experience that you don't ever want to have again. And really, the the actual experience at the moment in time has transported you back in time to a, another place where that experience is, is gone. Yeah, You can never have that again, but it's just this reminder. It's in your body. It's trapped. It is, and it's got to be felt for it to distinct distinguish in a sense, distinguish, extinguish. It's got to be felt for it to be extinguished, which means you're going to have to choose to suffer. And uh, again, if you listen to most of the people on the internet, 
They will tell you how to think of certain things so you don't suffer. But it doesn't really work like that. In a way that me and Craig are telling you to think things now so you don't have to suffer. But what we're actually saying is, is that you need to suffer in the death of that old you so you can't suffer. Yeah, that's it. And obviously we're not expecting you to go to a a room now, lock yourself in and constantly think of your pain until you burn in your your own ego death. This is a process over time where you go into it when you're strong enough to go into it in in a way that will say, most of the times when I've done it, I wasn't in control of it. No. I had to unconsciously go into it because I felt so bad. And then probably a year of doing that, I started to do it myself and go yeah. into it. And it's I, it's I, dangerous ground for the unaware mind, isn't it? And that's why it's important that if you do decide to go on this journey, because you've had enough of these issues ruling your life, you've had enough of being its prisoner and you're, you've had enough of being afraid, that's why you've got to reach out to people like myself and Craig, qualified therapists, qualified life coaches, any other types of counsellors, any types of healers or people that work with emotions. You've got to try and do the work with somebody that knows that that battleground because that's what it's like, isn't it? It's like a battleground, not knowing exactly where to tread in case a mind goes off. So that brings us to an end of that podcast. But let's just end it with the word that is what this episode was all about. <laughs> we'll have to get a proper editor for this big, you know. We're going to have to get somebody in. <laughs> no, yeah.